0: I'm telling you, God is way better than I thought. <laughs> He's just way better than I thought. And I thought he was awesome. Like, don't get me wrong, I thought he was awesome, but I always kind of felt this sort of like disconnect. Like I, I saw him move. I, I loved him. I I was following him. I was living for him. I was talking to him. I loved him. I knew him. It wasn't anything about that. But it was this sort of disconnect of, I don't know what else to give, God, to see you move in my life the way I see you move in the Bible. I don't know what else to do. Like I feel like I've literally given you everything. I don't feel like I have any hidden sin. I don't like I, 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 I worship you. I spend time with you. I, we have a church that meets in our house. We take in homeless people. Like, what else? What else? Like, literally, what else? And so, two years ago, I'm just saying two years ago, it might have been a little more, it might have been a little less, I don't know. About two years ago, uh, actually it was December of 2019, I was in a prayer meeting at uh, Freedom House of Prayer. And I was feeling this, total love for Jesus, right? Total love for him. But like, I don't know how to, I don't know how to bridge that gap. God. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I literally can't think of anything else that I could do. And so I, a prayer came out of me at that moment that I didn't think about beforehand. So I really believe it was the Lord having me pray it. And the prayer was, God, would you expand my capacity to house you? <laughs> that was the prayer. And I kept saying it, and I, as I was praying it, I was thinking about it. <laughs> what am I actually saying? <laughs> and I could see in my mind's eye, I could see my body like expanding, You know, expand my capacity to house you. Because I had a feeling that I was the limited one, <laughs> right? <laughs> But I just didn't know. I just couldn't figure out what else. Like, I mean, When I tell you I loved him, when I tell you I followed him, I'm being so sincere with you guys right now. It, it, it was very, very real. Um, and what, what I didn't know is, is that it wasn't a lack of desire on my part. It wasn't a lack of love for God on my part. It wasn't a lack of any of that. It was a lack of knowledge. It was a lack of knowledge and so I prayed this prayer having no clue. (laughs) It was terrible the next couple months. Um, So praying it, praying it, praying it felt like a good prayer. And then uh, it was I believe February of 2020, we have a house church, right, so picture us all crammed into my living room about, you know, 40, 40 of us and somebody brings a friend to our meeting and in the middle of our meeting we meet on Friday nights so it's like eight o'clock at night and in the middle of our meeting this young girl begins to just manifest countless demons all right now I've seen that few and far between I've seen that I've been in situations where I've Cast things out. In fact, at that time or prior to that moment, I would have said that I could have taught <laughs> on that, which is laughable now. Like, literally like, oh my gosh. Yeah. That's how off I was um and so this girl begins to manifest like tons of demons i'm telling you it was like a movie all right she's there and and her voice keeps changing and her eyes keep changing and we just jump into high gear i mean we just jump at it we get up get out in the name of jesus you have to leave in the name of jesus up and out right now in jesus name and we're going and we're going and that things those things are going i don't have to leave See, I can say Jesus, too. Jesus, 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 right? And I'm like, uh uh-oh, that's all I had. (laughs) Crap. And then you get into the arguing match. You do have to leave. No, I don't. Yes, you do. No, I don't. Jesus, name, get out. No, I don't have to leave. Yes, you do, right? And in my mind, I'm going, crap, crap, crap. All right, maybe, maybe we need to just start worshiping. Maybe if we start worshiping and exalt God, then maybe this thing, No, that didn't work. Okay, so we're trying that, and this girl's full-blown manifesting, right? And we're trying to, like, worship God, and this is going on. And what starts to happen is the thing inside of her starts to point out people in the room and go, oh, I see that spirit of lust on you. Oh, I see, you know, like, just stuff you don't want people pointing out, (laughs) right? Like, stuff that you're like, crap. (laughs) so starts to point this out and so everybody's eyes get really big like oh no don't point me out you know because again at that time we didn't know we just didn't know what we didn't know and so I did what I knew to do and I put my hand over her mouth and over her eyes (laughs) and I just said I don't recommend doing this (laughs) but I don't know what I'm doing okay and I just let our church know that at that point i was desperate i could not we could not figure this out one guy said i feel like god is saying to to dump water on her i'm like go for it so he takes a bottle of water and literally just like pours the whole thing over her head i mean we were at the point where we were willing to try anything because we couldn't understand what was happening well four hours go by It's midnight at this point. And now the girl is, I guess, more present. And the stuff there is settled down a little bit. And we took that as a win. But inside, we were like, this is terrible. Um, And she went home. And for the next several months, I was a train wreck. I was a mess. I was a mess. I I had so many questions. (laughs) God, is your name not powerful? We did exactly what it says to do in scripture. We spoke the words that you told us to speak and you didn't deliver. This was in our home. God, do we not have authority here? Do we not know you? What is God? You have to be real. If this things I mean I can't say what is happening. I don't understand. God, we have followed you. We have followed you. We've laid our life down for you. Where were you? I was a mess. And so we got anybody in our church that wanted to come, met on Sundays, and we said we we have to figure out what this is about. Um, and honestly, the first thing we did is we just looked at Jesus casting out demons, and I'm thinking, I've read all of this, like I don't see anything different in here. Like, I, God, you're gonna have to go deeper than this with me. I just, I don't know. And that was exactly where he wanted me. He wanted—he th- It was like he threw me in the deep end of a swimming pool because he wanted to show me that I did not know how to swim. Because I would have said I could have taught a swimming class. And I couldn't. I couldn't even swim. He had to get me to a place. And he knew that the desire of my heart was for that. I really wanted to know him in mean, the truth of who he is and what's going on, but it was hard. I didn't want to be in that moment when I was in that moment because I had so many questions, and I felt like God had failed, and I felt like I had failed, and I d- I, d- I didn't know what to do with that. So we begin to pursue this in Scripture. I'm not seeing much different than what I had ever seen before, um, and. Uh, we get in contact with a guy who introduce, introduces us to something that h- they call um, the blue card and the green card. It's a be in Health Ministries is what it's called. They're just called the blue card and the green card because they literally have a blue and a green rim around them. <laughs> Nothing more than that. Um, but the blue card or the green card, I don't remember at this point. One of them is really focused on repentance, and then the other one is re- or like renouncing and repenting, and then the other one is for telling things to leave. And at that time, I was very staunchly of the opinion that a believer can't have anything. I was wrong. (laughs) Um, But we'll get there. So I see this stuff, and it's like, okay, well, clearly I know nothing. (laughs) Like that we've established. So. I'm just going to try. I'll try this. I'll go through this blue card. I'll go through this green card. God, is there something stealing from me, I think was the question that I asked him. Um, And what he had done was he he had shown me a picture of a garden, and he said, Lydia, you know, a lot of seeds have been planted, and you keep watering it, and you keep weeding it, And you keep fertilizing it. Like that's praying, reading your Bible, worship, you know. You keep doing those things, and that's great. But those seeds, as they're starting to grow, every night rodents creep in and are stealing your fruit. And every morning I go out and go, why isn't the fruit there? So I water it more. So I weed it more. So, I fertilize it more. All good things. And that's what I was doing with myself and with other people as we were coming across things in our life anger, resentment, rejection, you know, the list of stuff that we all deal with, right? As we we're anxiety, depression, coming across those, I was saying, well, just read your Bible more. Put on some worship music. Spend time with Jesus more. I was giving good things but they were not the answer to what the problem was, right? And so it got to the point where myself and people I was counseling were saying to me, I'm doing that, okay, I'm doing that. And it just keeps cycling around. Like, I, I, how long is this supposed to go on? I mean, is this what it's supposed to be like? How come it feels like, as a Christian, I'm dealing with the same stuff I thought I was supposed to be free? And I, well, read your Bible more. I don't know what to tell you. Just read more. (laughs) Pray more. No. You have to kick the rodents out and build a fence, and then everything will work exactly the way that you thought it would. Everything will grow the way it's supposed to. It's like trying to put a bandage on a stomach flu. they are... They're both, leg- a bandage is a legitimate thing for a legitimate thing. But it's the wrong thing for the stomach flu. Right? Not saying that those are bad. They are absolutely needed. But it's not what we're dealing with here. So he showed me that. So I say, okay, God, well, what, I mean, I literally think I'm perfect at this point. So what, what is stealing from me? Like, I, I don't even know. And he he's like, well, Anger. Anger. But I thought everybody has anger. Like I thought that that was just my my flesh. I thought that that was just me. I thought that, so what would happen is we have all these people in our home, including my children and my husband, and all of these people, and we all have roles that we need to fulfill in order for the house to run smoothly. And I tend to be the one that's like, Let's stay on target, okay? Everybody do what you're supposed to do, and things will be great. And so when things are not going that way, what was happening was anger would rise up on my chest. Now, more often than not, I did the good Christian thing. And I didn't go with that anger. I dealt with it. I did breathing exercises. I read my Bible. <laughs> you know, I waited for it to subside. I thought that the Christian response was to not go with it, to wait, let it settle down, and then make a good godly decision. And that's what I thought we we're supposed to do. But God was saying, Lydia, no, no. Anger is stealing from you. You don't need a good 20 minutes, half an hour to enact my heart in a situation. You don't have to fight a battle every time you need to address something. Okay, all right, all right. Well, either it's real or it's not real, so I'll try it. Anger, anger. You are not me. You're not my feelings. You're not my body. You're not my thoughts. I don't agree with you. I break off agreement with you. God, I forgive whoever I can think to forgive right now. You know, just kind of like guessing my way through it, <laughs> right? Essentially. All right, anger, get up and get off of me. Go to hell and don't come back. That was two years ago, and I have not felt that since. And I noticed it right away. I didn't feel anything leave, but I noticed it right away. Situations did not stop from happening. But the internal stuff stopped. And I was like, oh, okay. So wheels start turning. Maybe I have a little bit more than I thought. (laughs) Okay, I always kind of thought that spiritual things were just kind of out floating around. They were out in the air, floating around, and they would come and they would just land on me and attack. That's what I thought. And it was my job as a Christian to fight back, right? That was how it goes, that's how the battle goes. Wrong, again. Who would have thought? I'd be wrong on multiple, multiple, multiple accounts (laughs) in this whole thing. So every time I would go up to preach or lead worship or was in a counseling session with somebody, I mean, literally at the worst times imaginable, I would get these like really inappropriate pictures that would pop into my brain. Super distracting. Not anything I wanted. Not anything, you know, like just like, what the? Why? Right? I thought the image I had in my mind was just some sort of spiritual thing is just coming and landing on my brain and attacking me, and I just have to not agree and fight it off, and then it leaves, and then I can continue on what I'm doing. That's what I thought. But the Lord said, Lydia, no one has a right to your mind except me. They're not allowed to just come and land on your mind. They're not allowed to just come in, they're your mine. If they're there, it's because they're there. I'm like, oh crap. What is this? Because I did have the question how come it keeps coming back? God, am I supposed to do this till the day that I die? Is this just part of what it means to live in a fallen world, like that, th- that this battle would just keep going and going? I mean, that was aggravating. And for years, I would say, God, could you just take it away? You know I don't even want it. You know there's nothing appealing about that to me. It's aggravating to me. There's literally like nothing. Can you just take it away? And I couldn't understand why he wouldn't take it away. It was lack of knowledge. And it was creating irritation towards God and frustration in what does it mean to be a, a, a believer, a follower of Jesus, because I wasn't seeing what I saw in Scripture in my life, right? So, okay, so if it's here, it's here. Dang it. Okay, Lord, what is it? And he said it's a tormenting spirit. Okay. Okay. When did it come in? Right? I'm just literally like, again, kind of guessing my way through this, having a conversation with the Lord. When did it come in? Well, it came in, you know, 17 years ago. My husband and I had been married for three years, and he came and confessed to me that he had been addicted to pornography. The Lord had just set him free, but that set me for a spiral boom Right then and so what I did is I went on the computer and I looked up everything that I thought like tried to find anything he might have looked up that's what I did right went on the computer all the cookies you know how that goes right and I was allowing something to I was feeding my anger I was allowing something to torment me I opened a door and I'm going god that was 17 years ago I've dealt. Like, we are so good. Like, I don't understand how. I mean, like, I, like literally, we're good now. Like, what is that? And he said, well, you opened a door to your home. That thing came in, messed things up. You cleaned up your house. That thing hid in the closet and would just come out at little opportune moments screw things up just a little bit and I would go what happened why is this happening why is this happening they said you actually need to kick it out crap I'm probably full of stuff (laughs) if that was from 17 years ago okay well you tormenting spirit you're definitely not allowed in me you know I hate you you know I want nothing to do with you. God, I put that moment on the cross. I forgive Jim, I forgive myself, I forgive. Any, I forgive the computer, I forgive that whole industry. I just you know, everything I could think of. Now you have to leave. You tormenting spirit, you get up off of me now in the name of Jesus. You don't have my mind. You don't have my emotions, you don't have my body. Favorite line, now that I'm a grown-up and I can say it. Go to hell. And do not come back to me. It has not happened since. So I'm like, well, wow, freedom's real, huh? Like I thought my freedom meant that I was more aware and could fight. I think that's what I thought freedom meant. That's not what freedom means. Freedom means free. Freedom means on the inside is the kingdom of heaven Only the mind of Christ, not a double mind. Only one mind. So at this time, July of that year, all of a sudden, every single day for the month of July, a random person shows up at my house and is like, can you pray for me to be free? And (laughs) I'll practice. (laughs) Sure, come on in. What are you going to do? You're not going to turn them away, right? I mean, sure, come on in. I was not telling people what was going on. I was not, nobody knew my personal journey at that point. Except for God. And God started sending people literally every single day. The month of July, the month of August. And I started being like, God, is this revival? That was, literal, that was a literal thought that went through my head. Is this revival? What is happening here? It's just people are showing up. Well, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, and uh, I'm just kind of going with what I know at that point. And uh, most of the time people get a measure of freedom, but some of the time people were worse the next day. And I was like, God, I hate this. I don't want to do this. I don't like this. I don't know what I'm doing. I just, can you please just show me what is happening? I'm doing what you're telling me to do, but I don't feel like I understand it, you know? And so he said, "Um, I'm going to send you to San Diego. I knew what that meant. All right, there was a deliverance revival that was happening in San Diego. After that girl had manifested in our church meeting, I looked up some of the videos and I was like, "Oh, heck no. Uh-uh. I want nothing to do with that. That looks so demonic. It's not even funny. That looks crazy. It looks absolutely crazy, and I I have enough crazy in my life. I do not t- need to invite more, right? And so we my husband and I, you can ask him, we watched some videos and we were just like, hmm. <laughs> you just get the like oh, uh, I don't know. And so we shut the videos off and we stopped watching them. And then the Lord said, I want you to go to San Diego. Like, oh man. All right, God, I will go to San Diego, but I am not learning from them. I'm learning from you. You're gonna teach me. I'm. I'm not learning a method. Like I, I just so like told God what was up, right? Like I. I know what's up. Uh, it, so, anyways, I go flying up to San Diego. This is now in September, first weekend in September of 2020, and uh, I, I have a layover in Chicago, and I'm sitting in the in the terminal waiting for my flight. I'm. You know, probably from me to you right there is probably how far I am from the desk where, yeah, you right there. Uh, <laughs> it's probably how far I am from the desk where we line up and go in. You guys ever been to an airport? Right? Not far. I'm Not on a phone. I'm not on a laptop. I'm not reading a book. I'm literally sitting there 45 minutes early just watching, waiting for my flight for us to line up. Well, pretty soon I look at my watch or my phone watch <laughs> and I'm like we should have boarded like we should be boarding what so I go up to the desk and I say hey uh, when are we boarding and they were like what do you mean everybody's on the plane the doors are what's your name and I said uh, Lydia O'Leary and they were like we called you three times like there is no way you called me three times. There's no way I was I would have heard your voice, let alone the intercom. I, I was not distracted. I, there was no lines that formed. Now we did. We called three times. Everybody's on the plane. Sorry, the, the door's already shut. You can't get on. But look, there's a flight in three hours. You're good. We'll put you on that. And that was so easy. I didn't. I just kind of was standing at the desk like this as they were like re-putting me on a new plane, and I. I walked away from that like, God, what was that? Like, you had to have put a different scene in front of my eyes because there was literally no lines. (laughs) I was watching the whole time. And I heard him say, I want you to go to the chapel. There's a chapel in an airport. Okay, So I find the chapel, get there, and I arrive like right before their, their daily service happens. I'm thinking, this is a God moment. This is such a God moment I'm here right when it starts like what are what are the odds obviously God's doing this on purpose he's teaching me something so I go in and I go right up to the front and I sit down and I'm like all excited and uh, and turns out it's a Catholic mass and the priest kind of comes out and he's straightening his tassels and his candles and his stuff like that and I'm like trying to look friendly you know like you can say hi to me you know Um, But, no, he didn't even, like, look at me. Uh, And so, finally, he comes out and he goes to start this Mass. And I, I realize I know nothing about Catholic Masses. And he realizes it, too, because it's me and, like, three people in the back row. And pretty soon, he starts giving me hand signals. He's like, time to stand up. Time to sit down, time to stand up. And I'm literally like, this is the worst moment of my entire life. I feel like I just want to leave, <laughs> right? I, feel, I like feel so out of my element. I'm telling you, it felt like my skin was crawling. I just wanted to leave. So then he preaches a sermon. The message was on Jesus. Everything was Biblical, a-okay great. He finishes, and I like run. I run out of there, like run. And my like, God, that was stupid. What was that about? I just don't. That was so dumb. I I just get on my plane, get to San Diego. At this point, I had been up since 4:30 in the morning. It's now 8:30 San Diego time, which is really like 10:30, 11 my time. I am exhausted 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 I land there just in time for their um, deliverance training school so I go and I sit, you know right up front I just I was so tired I think is what it was I just wasn't thinking but anyway so I just sit there (coughs) I come in I'm exhausted and immediately you know they're like, all right, we're gonna stir up the spirit, everybody. We're gonna stir up the spirit, everybody. Speaking tongues, speaking tongues, speaking tongues. So everybody's like, <laughs> and I'm like, I know how to speak in tongues. Okay, <laughs> I can do this, right? And I'm laughing and I'm crying and I'm like so tired and I'm going, God, two hours ago you had me in a Catholic mass, now I'm here. What are we doing? Right? And so then they're like, all right, all right, all right, spirits here. Uh, And I'm not opposed to this. But so then they say, we're going to pray over people until they're healed. So everybody can partner. So I get partnered with this like 14 year old boy. And um, he says to me, Do you have anything you need prayer for? And I say, I have a canker sore and I shouldn't have, I mean, everything, hindsight is 2020. that's all my whole story. But anyway, so I'm a canker sore, so then we're lined up with a bunch of other people and he's putting his hand on my, my face and praying for it and be healed in Jesus' name. And then I would reach my tongue over and feel, oh, it's still there, sorry, it's still there. And we're going back and forth, it is not getting healed. And I'm thinking in my mind, I am not going to be the cause of this 14-year-old boy to lose his faith tonight. <laughs> I will not be that person, right? So I devise a, a plan in my delirium, and and the next time he prays, right, and, and then I decided that what I was going to do is just not not reach over and feel it anymore. So, so he prays, he healed in the name of Jesus, and I just say, I don't feel it. Well, immediately there was like a camera phone in my face you just got healed Like at Jesus dead and run, run, run. I'm like get that out of my face please just stop I just want to go to bed like I just oh so I finally got to my bed and I was sitting in bed and I was like God what was today about <laughs> and he brought the Catholic service to mind now mind you He preached a godly sermon. It was truth. But what the Lord said to me is he said, Lydia, process without relationship is dead. And I was like, okay. Okay, it doesn't matter how much truth you speak. It doesn't matter how much of a process you might have down. Without relationship, it's dead. I don't want anyone that comes to have a a prayer time with me to ever feel how I felt in that moment. I don't want them to feel that, like I just need to leave. (laughs) So I don't, because it's got to be about relationship, right? And so then he brings to mind that other meeting, and he said, Lydia, zeal without relationship creates pressure and i was like i hear you what they were doing in both places it's not about any of that okay I, I i'm sure they love jesus i know they do in fact i've come to know the people doing this deliverance ministry and i honor them with what they're teaching and what god's doing but for me it was a pivotal moment where the lord was establishing something a foundation for me to stand on. Do not ever lose relationship in what I'm about to teach you. Got it. I got it. I don't want anyone to ever feel either one, that they have to fake, that they have to pretend, that they have to make something up, that they, ha- that they don't wanna be there, that they feel awkward. I just don't ever want that to be the case. And neither should you, right? So those two things. So then I'm there, and I'm still not confident that a Christian can have something. <laughs> I, I've seen things leave me at this point, but it's kind of, I still have so many questions. I go and I sit in with, a, uh, with the guy that I had watched on the videos, actually. Um, and I kind of just take the stance, either this is real or it's not real. If it's real, something will happen. if it's not real nobody has to know what's about to happen (laughs) right i mean it doesn't matter i just i want what's real i want to know the truth i am now very well aware of the fact that i don't know anything and so god i'm an open book like I'm, i'm ready for you to write in me i'm ready for you to teach me and so I go in and I meet the man that I've seen in these videos and the Lord just fills my heart with just love and esteem for him as I hear his testimony. Man, what, a, what an incredible man. And what God is doing in San Diego, although it looks nothing like what we're doing in Salem, it is for the streets of San Diego that he's there. And lives are changing and people are being set free, you know. But we don't model after what other people are doing we hear what the lord is doing in our day in our time in our location and we walk that out right so um so i go through this this deliverance with him and uh, he's a man probably in his 70s and he's like this gruff like type of guy he'd been a fire chief for a number of years and i love him to death and he just says to me all right I'm gonna speak to whatever unclean thing is inside of you and, and you are probably gonna hear it in your head. And, and I'm like, oh, what am I doing here? Okay, and he's like, so just you just tell me? You just tell me if you hear anything or if you feel anything or whatever. Um, now, just so you're aware, right prior, the night before I was leaving at 4.30 in the morning, I was getting my bag together and I heard louder than I've probably heard anything interject into my thoughts and say, if you go to San Diego, you're going to get raped. You're not protected there like you are here. It was so like, I felt a moment of fear and then was like, well, you way overplayed that. I don't know what you are. Whatever. So when he said to me, You're gonna he- you might hear something in your brain, I then had a grid for what he was talking about, because I was like, I, I, I have had that happen, actually, <laughs> right before I was coming here, actually. Um, so I had a grid for that. So anyway, so I'm sitting in this chair, and he's like, all right, you wicked thing in there. I want you to tell me what your name is. And I'm just like, and immediately, I hear the thought in my mind. I hear Lucifer. And I'm not no freaking way I'm not saying that I'm not saying that I'm sorry I do not have a Lucifer <laughs> at this point again I don't know what any of this even is right so I'm thinking like the chief of all demons <laughs> is in me <laughs> there's no way right uh, that's not how it is okay that's not what it is but um, so I go through this moment of like do I say what I heard or do I just bother? So I figured again, you know what? Either it's real or it's not real. If it's not real, and I'm this is all just being made up in my head, then who cares? Like, I'm going to go home. I'm going to find out what is real. Nothing's going to change and whatever. If it is real, though, I don't want a Lucifer. <laughs> Definitely don't want that. Right? Uh, no. So I'm like, all right, I heard, I heard Lucifer. <laughs> and he's like, oh, Lucifer, we meet again, right? And I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> what are we doing here? Um. <laughs> and so he goes through this whole process where he's asking where it came in. and It, was, it came in through Freemasonry, or Freemason, a Masonic ritual on my mother's side, my grandfather. Um, a ritual that had been done, right? Who would have known? But I did know he was a a mason, right? So anyways, so generational thing, we break it off. I don't feel anything leave. I don't hear anything else. I literally, nothing. I'm literally sitting there, and I'm like, okay. that was great. Hopefully Lucifer's gone. Um, If it was real, I'll know, because clearly if you kick out a Lucifer, something big better change right, you know, like this is, so uh, I, what I noticed is for years, I, every night I would wake up at 3 a.m. coughing and hacking like I was choking, unable to breathe, and I would always be like, oh, it's just allergies, or the air is so dry, or because of the wood stove, or the seasons, or the pollen, (laughs) right, I mean, but I would always be like, God, would you please just Help me sleep, I need to sleep. I'm so tired, you know, please. And without fail, three o'clock every single morning, wake up and have the hardest time getting back to sleep. That never happened again. Dang I was praying about these things, folks. It wasn't for lack of desire. It wasn't for lack of faith. It was for lack of knowledge. So what this weekend is going to be about is to set the foundational knowledge of who Jesus is and what he did on the cross in scripture, okay? We're going to go through so much scripture this weekend. It's going to be like pouring out your ears and your eyeballs. Like, it's just going to be like so much because I got back from San Diego, right? Right? And the next day, seven people showed up at my house to be set free. Seven. And from that mo- moment on, for the next from September through April, I was having anywhere from two to five, maybe seven, people a day showing up at my house to get set free. We went from one a day to, to a handful right? My kitchen table was like a doctor's office waiting room. I would be down in my office walking somebody into freedom, just trying, just trying, right? Because they were showing up. What else could I do, right? I did not choose this, right? But I did ask for it. And so God was bringing people, and so I was trying. And there were days, it was from like 10 a.m. to 11 o'clock at night. I would finish with one person after several hours, bring them up to the di- like to the kitchen where they're gonna leave, and somebody else would be sitting there. And I would be like, all right, let's go. we would go and go again, and come back up. Oh, hey, all right, let's go all day long and so my brother my brother hudson thankfully he knows how to make a google calendar and he made a, a sign up thing for me for three people a day every day we did that and i was booked out a full month three a day all right people want freedom and what was happening is is people were getting free So I'm here in my basement literally not seeing the light of day for months. You can ask my kids. Did not see daylight for months. I'm not out telling people what's going on. I'm just literally walking up my stairs and walking back down my stairs for months. But. People's anxiety was leaving. Their suicide was leaving. Their depression was leaving. Their trauma was leaving. Their PTSD was leaving. And in the process of it, their backs were healed. Their legs were healed. Their thyroid system was healed. Their reproductive system was healed. I mean, just like, I'm not even praying for that. This is just like extra. God is so extra. (laughs) He is. I'm telling you. And so I began to get like, this is incredible. This is really incredible. I'm actually, I feel like I could actually be one of the disciples now. (laughs) Like, I'm just like, I get it. This is happening. This is real. This is happening. This is real. Every single day, people are getting healed. Every single day, people are getting set free. That has never happened in my life. And I have counseled. Tons of people. (laughs) I just told them to read their Bible more. (laughs) So anyways, thankfully my brain works in like an outline form. That's how my brain works. And God knows that. And God will speak to me in that form. And so as I'm doing all of this, I mean, I like literally have no time to think. I'm just going, going, going. He starts to show me a pattern that's emerging in all of these deliverances. It's like, oh, these things hang on to agreement with people. And it always seems to be the same agreements, one of a handful, or maybe two or three, but always within. So I started to document what are the things that they're hanging on to, unforgiveness, you know. generational right, different things like that. And then the tide really began to turn, because now, well, what was happening is I would have somebody come in and I'd be like, okay, we're gonna see what's there. <laughs> we're gonna ask the Holy Spirit to lead us, and we're just gonna go with it. You with me? <laughs> we're gonna ask the fire of God to come. Burn away everything that's not at you, because you are gold. Any un- impure thing in there is not you. It's not part of the gold. The fire's gonna burn it out. And we're just gonna try, right? And so we would do this, and I would ask that thing, where did you come in? How long have you been there? What generation? Da-da-da-da-da. And it felt like that many times these things were leading me down bunny trails and up and down and distraction. But at the same time, God is going, Notice this, notice this, notice this, notice this. And then we began to turn the battle around and we began to lead the battle. No, you're not speaking. You're not speaking. We are breaking off agreement with you, every single one of them, just for good measure. And we are agreeing with Jesus. And by the time we get to you, you little worm, you got nothing to hang on to anymore. And you're leaving. Total change. People would walk into the room and be like, oh, I just heard, oh, what the F? (laughs) <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, that thing's coming out today. And it knows it. I got swore at more in the past year than I ever have in my entire life. One of my favorite ones is this little woman. She's like leader of a prayer meeting. Like she was not expecting this, right? She's little like petite, like prayer warrior woman. And we start going after what's there and she's got a spirit that starts manifesting. Now, not everybody manifests. Freedom is the same one way or the other. It doesn't matter what the battle looks like, the end is done. So but so she's begins to manifest. And she's going back and forth between that thing jumping up and being like, You're an F and B and then she'd be like, Oh my god, I get it. <laughs> Right, and I'm like crying, laughing. I'm like, I know it's not you, don't worry. Like, it's okay, it's not you. Like, I know that, but she was mortified. It was hysterical. It was really, really funny. Um, but anyways, so what we're going to do tonight is we're going to lay a foundation for understanding the scripture, okay? Because what happened is as these were going on and God was showing me, he was showing me these things. I was like, all right, Lord, you're going to have to show me in Scripture. I want you to show me in Scripture. And he did. And when he did, he blew my mind. He blew my mind. And I've known him my whole life. I've read the Bible more than I've read any other book ever. I mean, it's just, I knew the verses. I knew the words. I knew it. But it was like he took it and clicked it into place. And it was like, oh my goodness, it was for lack of knowledge. So, we're gonna set the record straight this weekend. And what will happen is, sorry. What will happen is, is you will begin to really understand the freedom that was bought for you, and you're not gonna wanna settle for anything less than it because it is amazing. It is, like, so amazing. I am a different person today than I was two years ago. I literally feel so quiet on the inside all the time. It's amazing. Like, the world could be crumbling, and I'm like, ah, okay. Somebody could be, like, in my face going at it, and nothing. No no nervousness. No fear, no accusation. But it's because for the past two years, everything that crept up, I was like, oh, thank you for making yourself known. You're leaving next. And I just began this, boom, you're out. Boom, you're out. Boom, you're out. You're not me. I'm new. New means something. New means new. New only produces new. So if something is coming out that isn't new, it isn't you. It's something that found agreement with you, made you believe that it was you. Like I would have said, I have no agreement with the enemy. Right, I would say, there's no way, I have no agreement, but I had a Lucifer, right, I mean, come on. Like, you don't know what agreements are there until you go after them. I didn't know, I agreed with anger purely by the fact that I thought it was me. That's an agreement. That's an agreement. That's the first agreement we deal with, the identity one. Who are you? If it's not like God, it's not like you because you were redeemed back into his image. That's a real thing that happened. That's not something you achieve over time. That's a real thing. And so if it's not like God, it's not like you. That's how you can identify things pretty quick. Everything that tries to exalt itself over the knowledge of who God is done it's out I found out pretty quickly that I was a cesspool (laughs) it's just real I started kicking stuff out and I was like this pit is endless (laughs) oh my goodness oh my goodness because your eyes get opened and your brain gets clearer every time you kick something out everything gets clearer and it's like, and then you start to see more and more, and you start to engage in these battles. Some leave quick. Some take some real muscle. Um, but we're going to get to that. We're going to get to that. Uh, but this weekend is to lay the scriptural foundation. Tonight is to lay out what is the Bible in all of this and how to read it because everything we're going to teach from it this weekend is is off of this foundation. So you guys ready for this? Everybody good? Everybody got an outline? So laying a foundation, the first thing that the Lord spoke to me was, he said, Lydia, I want you to see how scripture is laid out. He said the first portion is a shadow. It's a shadow pointing to something, right? And it actually, in scripture, it refers to it as the shadow. These things were a shadow of what was to come. And so there's passages there to back up all of this, this language here, okay? But so there's the shadow, everything that happened up until the cross. And then there's the fullness, which is the time that we're in. And then there's the restoration of all things. And what it is is it's a building. It's a, it's a building upon. God was showing us in the shadow what would happen in the fullness and what will ultimately be in the restoration okay it's important to understand this because otherwise you start pulling pieces of scripture and and putting it on your life in places that it doesn't go and you start building all these wonky theologies that don't that don't line up with the truth and so i want to show you how this works all right so we see under the shadow you see the passover right You guys know what the Passover was? The Passover was a meal that the Israelites celebrated every year in remembrance of how God rescued them out of slavery from Egypt. You guys all know that? Right? The night before Jesus died, he was sharing a Passover meal. You guys know this? And have have any of you ever uh, been part of a, a Passover Seder? Okay, so... In a Passover Seder, there is one piece of matzah that gets broken. It's called the afikomen. And it's layered in between two other pieces. So there's three pieces of matzah with napkins in between them. And for the Passover, they represent Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's what those pieces of matzah represent. The middle one being Isaac, the one that was gonna be broken, right? And so the night before Jesus dies, he Picks up the bread and breaks it. We know which one he's talking about. The one that gets broken in Passover. It's the afikoman. It's Isaac. They saw it as Isaac, the son of promise, who God had asked Abraham to sacrifice. And God said, I will provide another sacrifice. So they see that as Isaac, this broken piece. Jesus takes that broken piece And he says, this is now me. Every time you take of this, do it in remembrance of me. There's four cups to Passover meal. And the third one is the one after the meal. It's the cup of redemption. The scripture says, after they ate, Jesus picked up the cup. So we know which cup it is. That cup had a meaning. It has a a meaning in Passover. It's the cup of redemption. Jesus picks up the cup of redemption. Not just any cup. The cup of redemption. He says, this is my blood now. I'm the redeemer. I'm actually redeeming you, not just from the hands of, of the Egyptians, but I'm redeeming you from sin and slavery to sin. Every time you take it, do this in remembrance of me. So we see in the shadow, the Passover coming to a completeness, a fullness with Jesus. And we now celebrate communion, right? This celebration that we are joined with God, what Jesus did, the fullness of it. And then what it will be in the restoration of all things is there will be the wedding supper of the Lamb, a massive celebratory dinner of our union with God. So God's building, all right? Follow me on the second one. We have the promised land. The Israelites, they get brought into the land of promise with Joshua. In the fullness, the promised land is the kingdom of heaven, the Holy Spirit within us. All the promises of Jesus is that promised land within us. In Hebrews, it talks about it, and we'll go more in depth about this tomorrow, but in Hebrews, it talks about how today, Joshua did not actually give them rest. Today is the day of salvation. Come into the rest of the promised land. That is for now. That is the moment that we're in now, okay? Understand that. Internally, on you, on your person, is the promised land. Freedom. From the harassment of your enemies healing for your body very fruitful and multiplying okay and then we get to the restoration of all things which is the ultimate promised land where it is no longer just in us it is the order around us everything around us is that way do you see what what's happening here We'll do another one. In the shadow, there was the law written on stone, right? In the fullness, where is the law written? On our hearts. Is the law gone? No, that was just a shadow of something. It's now written on our hearts. In the the (laughs) restoration of all things, it's just the order. Because it is the heart of God. You will have no other gods before him. You won't do any of those things. Because it's just the order, it's the way, right? It just will be all around you, not just in you, but in the fullness, understand this, in the fullness, it's in you. The order of heaven is in you. Awesome. Okay, so then the next one. We got the temple made so specifically, right? It says that, that they had to follow such specific directions because it's a model of something in heaven, right? Right? The temple made by human hands. We get into the fullness, and what is the temple now? Our bodies. Do we think maybe our bodies are built really specific too? If God was that, like, come on, here's the instructions, do not miss any of it, do you think maybe He was just as precise in how He made us? And we'll go into that again tomorrow where we talk about the breakdown of the temple and we talk about how we're made. It's amazing. And then in the restoration of all things, it actually says that God is the temple. And so we're in him and then he's in us and it's like, what is this magic? It's amazing. It's amazing. It's a building. Do you see, what, do you see this happening? There are so many, so many, So then the next one, the battle. In the the shadow, the battle was people. It It was the Egyptians. It was the people that had taken over their promised land while they were enslaved, right? But in the fullness, we go to something different. Who is the battle in the fullness? Principalities. Our battle is not with flesh and blood with principalities, right? rulers in the heavenly realm. And then at the end there will be one big battle where the enemy gets thrown into the pit of hell. You got to understand this because people will say, well the enemy lost his power on the cross. Absolutely he did, but the enemy's still around. He's not he's not in hell yet. He's not in the lake of fire yet. He's still around and if you don't understand that and you keep quoting, well the battle's been won. The battle's been won. The battle has been won. But you have to stand in that. You can very easily not be standing in that. And then the church wonders why is this all happening? Cuz the enemy's not in hell yet. That battle for the restoration has not happened, but it will. It will. It will, and we're on the winning side. Woohoo! And we're on the winning side now, too, by the way. The battle can be completed in your own life as well, and the kingdom of God is to be advancing, and we'll talk about that this weekend. But this is just to give you, again, the building. And this is one of my favorite ones, all right? So circumcision was a cutting off of the flesh to mark the people of God, right? Now, I want to ask you something, because the shadow teaches us a lot about the fullness and about the restoration. This is, so so when, when somebody has been circumcised, you can't take that and put it back on again, can you? mm It doesn't happen. You cannot take that flesh and reattach it cut off correct in the fullness it says that we have been circumcised of the flesh and yet for some reason my whole life I heard people say it's the flesh it's the flesh it's the flesh I thought or I think and uh, now <laughs> the flesh is cut off if the picture was circumcision, and that is literally the word that God is using, it's because it means something. Right? The final circumcision is when we drop this body and we're given a new one. woo Right? It's a building, it's a building, it's a building. You, you're going to start reading scripture now and be like, wow, oh, that's a shadow of this, which points to that. And you're going to see the clear, the clear uh, delineations of what's happening. It's so important because you need to know that in order to know the time that you're in. If you don't know the time that you're in, We can turn to the next page. If you don't know the time that you're in, you're going to do what I did, which was hope and guess and try and put a lot of energy into stuff and speak things. And and, and it's like where Paul says, I I don't fight like one who beats at the air. That's what I did for most of my life. Maybe I'm going to hit it. Right? I'll pray for somebody for healing. I'll try declaring it. I'll try asking God to do it. I will try telling it to go away with my authority. I will try to, you know, like the list of all the things to try and make it happen. I will hope. I will be like, I have faith. I will even say to God, God, I will tell everybody if you do this. Like, I will try and convince God that this is a good idea, right? I mean, literally just beating at the air, not knowing, hoping that something's going to work hoping and maybe you know one out of ten it does but most of the time it's just just a lucky guess or a lucky swing (laughs) and you get it right we don't need to be that way we don't we need to be people who who are not beating at the air but that hit the target every time Right, so knowing the time that we're living in, there's four pillars of understanding and we'll look at their convergence. Does anybody know what eschatology is? Huh? Mm -hmm. Yeah, the study of the end times, study of the last things. Now for us, in the time that we're in now, that's for when Jesus returns, right? For the Jewish people, that was for when the Messiah was going to come. Their eschatology was that the Messiah was going to come, usher in the kingdom, wipe out their enemies, and that was going to be the end. Okay? So can you imagine their surprise as Jesus is ascending? And they're like, wait a minute. All right. Wait, 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 wait. Where are you going? I thought this was the end. In fact, if you read the account, as he's ascending, one of them yells up, is this when you're going to usher in the kingdom? Like, please? (laughs) And he says, no, I'll come back. Or the, the angel says, he'll come back the same way he left in the clouds. You'll see him. He will come back. And so then they're left with this sort of like, what now? Because we thought that was the end. Like, we know that he was the Messiah now. What happened? So that brought in the study of Christology, the study of Christ, the study of salvation, and redemptive history, the study of the ages, what came before. They began to look at their history and go, okay, what revamp? (laughs) Okay, God, what is happening here? All right? So Messiah was to be the culmination of this age and the immediate ushering in of the outpouring of the spirit and the resurrection of the dead. Everything changed with the realization of a second coming. And this is why they had such mixed views of who the Messiah was going to be, right? Like they all thought he was going to be this warrior and here he came as the suffering servant, right? They, They didn't understand their own scriptures and what God had done and was doing. So now they begin to study it. So this is the time that we're in. Where Christ has ascended, they had all thought it was going to be the end. Well, joke's on you, not the end. We're living in this kind of time now. What is it? We call it the already, not yet, because in Scripture, that's how it's referred, okay? Talk about confusing. So Paul writes, if you see that, we are already adopted in Christ, Romans 8, 15. And then a couple sentences later, (laughs) but not yet adopted we are already redeemed in christ but not yet redeemed already sanctified in christ but not yet sanctified already saved in christ but not yet saved already raised with christ but not yet raised what i want you to understand is these are falling into those those timelines here okay your or our spiritual participation in Jesus' resurrection guarantees our physical participation in his coming resurrection everything that we participate in spiritually now guarantees it physically in the restoration of all things you see that our adoption our redemption our sanctification we get it fully here a spiritual participation it happens for real it happens but when we drop this body and we are brought into a time and a place, or a no time, <laughs> whatever, <laughs> a place where it is just the order of heaven and the way of heaven, that's when we get the fullness of it. That's when our bodies actually experience, you know, when a new body is actually experiencing it. Crazy. You need to know this. Otherwise, you're pulling out pieces of Scripture and claiming them for now and not knowing what you're talking about, right? We are fully, fully participating in these things, but there is a greater fullness coming where it will be all around us as well. So where is deliverance in the Bible? and is it part of the time that we are living in so we got to learn from history right the bible says all scripture is god breathed and is useful for teaching rebuking correcting and training in righteousness so that the man of god may be thoroughly equipped for every good work i believe that's first timothy 3 something you can look it up i should have put the reference there i don't know why it's there why well, it's not there oh is it it's not on mine Look at that. i got to get better at those. All right, so 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture, all of it. So we need to get rid and reject the idea of old covenant, new covenant. Have you guys heard that? When people go, oh, that's just old covenant. We're in the new covenant. That's old covenant. What that does is that says all of that scripture is not applicable to me. That is all, if you understand the value of the shadow, it can teach us so much about the fullness. Not one word of that is to be wasted. And yet this ideology has come into the church that has allowed believers to wipe out half the scripture. And they wonder why they don't know Jesus. Or the fullness of him. Because so much is found in the pointers to him. Paul references Israel all the time to show what was going on, right? All the time. So we have to learn from his history. Uh, we'll be looking this weekend at the whole of Scripture, and we will talk about each point. Um, over the, over the weekend in order to understand what's happening. So what did the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus purchase for us? In Joel, in Acts, in Romans, we know the verse, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Saved has become a very generic word in the church. Oh, I'm saved. Are you saved? Yeah, I'm saved. <laughs> what are you talking about? What are you? what is it they had to look into these things what does salvation mean now that the Messiah is not here anymore (laughs) we thought salvation was when he was coming and we were gonna go with him but salvation means something much more so they begin to look in the shadow and they begin to see all this stuff what salvation means it means saved out of this world healed your body and delivered from the harassment of your enemies who are your enemies people uh-uh delivered from the harassment so every time you read the word saved in the in the bible you can change it for healed Every time you read the word saved in the Bible, you can change it for delivered. Because it means all of that. In fact, the ministry Sozo, most people have heard about it, that, that walk, walk in all of that, healing. That's what the word actually is, is Sozo, because it means saved, healed, and delivered. So in that box at the bottom just goes to show you how many times the word saved is used in the New Testament. All of those times mean saved, they mean healed, they mean delivered. Every single one of them, without exception. That's a lot. So you want to wonder where deliverance is in the Bible? All of those verses. Okay. Um, Salvation. It means deliverance. Preservation, safety, salvation, deliverance from the molestation of enemies. On the right-hand side, that's where the word salvation comes into play. means the same thing. So you can, you can understand it in all of those places. You can look again as healing and deliverance. Every single one of them, okay? There's a lot. Deliverance is in the scripture. It's masked by the word saved in our lack of knowledge. But it is everywhere. So, some things to think about. These were some things that I was like, eh, I don't want to take a strong stand on, but now I have one. So, things to think about. The church loves to say, oh, you, if you're a believer, you can't be possessed. You can only be oppressed. They love to say that. I said it, I, I said it a ton. I mean, I was like, a thing that I said. I would have taught on it, right? Lord, forgive me, and erase that from everybody's memories. Um, I break off those words in (laughs) Jesus' name. Oppressed, possessed. There are no such words in Scripture. None. There is one word for it, and it means under the influence of a demon. It's just one. We make those lines because it makes us feel more comfortable. It's literally not in there. Literally not in there. We make those lines because it makes us feel more comfortable. We say, I belong to God. I'm a temple. Uh, I'm the temple of the living God. Nothing, nothing is allowed in me. Yeah, it shouldn't be. <laughs> That's true. Doesn't mean it's not there. You are a priesthood. You know what the priest's job was to do? Keep the temple clean. Why? Because stuff would be welcomed into the temple that wasn't supposed to be there. They kept it clean. Why is there still a priesthood? If Jesus is the high priest, why is there a priesthood? Okay, so um, so it means all it means is to be influenced by a demon. I don't know if that makes you feel better or worse, but that's the word, okay? <laughs> it is what it is. I don't know what to tell you other than that. I didn't inspired the scriptures god did so um can both a believer and an unbeliever be influenced by a demon well so then we th- these are the thought processes that i was going through with the lord the questions i had well, well what about this god so then the thought was everyone jesus set free because obviously jesus was walking around casting out demons was everyone that jesus set free a believer or an unbeliever well that was in the shadow Who did Jesus say that he was there for when he was asked? Does anybody know this? He said, I came for the, well, for the sick. That's one verse, not the one I was thinking of. I came for the lost sheep of Israel. Did Jesus just come for Israel? So how could he say that and that be true? Well, Israel is the shadow of something. What is Israel a shadow of? The church. Israel is a shadow of the church, the people of God, right? So Jesus was there for Israel for his people right? He did He, he came for the lost sheep of Israel, but he came for all that would be his. So why did Jesus only minister to the Jews? Jesus knew the time that he was in, and he knew what he was about to do as well. Um, so the passage is Luke 13, 16, and then Mark 7, 24 to 29. Uh, they give the story of the woman, the Greek woman, who came and said, Jesus, would you, my, my daughter's possessed by a demon. Not possessed, right? You guys were supposed to correct me there. My daughter's under the influence of a demon. Will you will you set her free? And Jesus gives the rudest answer in the entire Bible at that moment. He says, He will not give the children's bread to the dogs. And she says, but even the dogs will eat the crumbs from the master's table. And Jesus is like, man, I love you. I, I was trying to create a point, but your, your child's going to be saved. All right? <laughs> Jesus knew the time that he was in. All right? She was asking for deliverance. Jesus called that the children's bread. The sustenance for the church, for the children. Deliverance is not for the lost, because it's only in Christ. It is what we get. It's part of the package deal of freedom. It's amazing. It's the children's bread. In fact, if you go to kick a demon out of somebody who is not saved, I've done it. Terrible idea. Terrible idea. They wound up in a mental hospital two days later. Terrible. Because those things came back with a vengeance and tormented that person. Now, they told me they were believers. I didn't know. Yeah, I don't know. I just say, go and sin no more. <laughs> <laughs> Something worse might happen to you. Make sure you're in Christ. Um, deliverance belongs to the children. Jesus made it very clear. But then he broke from the pattern and delivered her daughter because there was such faith there. And he knew what he was in. He knew what he was saying. He knew there would be an account of it, (laughs) right? So you can make up your own minds about this. Can the temple of the Lord, a believer, be shared with demons? It's definitely a question I had. I'm a temple. I mean, the holy of holies, unclean things die there. Well, Ezekiel 8, the temple, God says, Ezekiel, I want to show you what's happening in my temple right now. And he shows him inside the temple. The priests are doing abominable things, terrible things against God. All the walls are like snakes and creepy, crawly things. It's the demonic. The presence of God is still in the Holy of Holies. The temple had parts to it. Nothing could go in the Holy of Holies that was not clean. Right? But those priests were walking around all the other courts all the time. You know this, right? I mean, in order to go into the Holy of Holies, they had to atone for all of the sins and do all of this stuff. And then they would have something to, like tied around their ankle, right? If they walked into it was their time to be the high priest for that year, whatever they go in. If there's any sin in them, they die. Right? They knew that in that spot. But those guys were walking around the temple all day long. It was the priest's responsibility to keep the temple clean. And God was super upset that they weren't. Super upset. It was still his temple, all of it was his temple. So then we look in Paul's writing to them, First Corinthians, First uh, Corinthians 10:1- to twenty two. You can look it up. He's referencing Israel and learning from them, and then he says, "Don't you understand? Don't you understand that when we drink from the cup of Christ, we share in His sacrifice?" Right. We share in who he is. When you participate with something, you're sharing in the sacrifice. This whole thing was going on, can we eat the food of idols? Right. That was, that was the talk. And Paul's like, it's, it's not about food. It's not about that. And it's not about idols. They were sacrificing to demons. He literally says it right there. They were sacrificing to demons. And if you're participating, when you participate with the sacrifice, you become part of it. He says, you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You will rouse the Lord to jealousy. Learn from Israel. Why would he be saying don't do it if you couldn't? Now, I'm at the place where I've just seen, you know, Pastors, prayer leaders, people that I know know the Lord, myself included, have things in them that I go, yeah. Okay, I I just know now, but I see it in the scripture. It's irrefutable to me in what I see here. If the temple in the shadow had stuff, the temple now, and we know that it says that the enemy stands before the Lord accusing, how is he there? There's things we don't know. There's things we don't understand. But Paul tells them not to do it. So I'm going with Paul. You guys following me so far? Everybody good? Alright, so, knowing the time we're living in. Oh, why is that in there? I think I got a faulty thing. Okay. Um, (laughs) No, I'm good. Is the next thing the pictures of the temples? So you guys can see the pictures of the temple, right? We've got uh, the interior of the Jerusalem temple there. You can see that it has the Holy of Holies right there. It has the holy place, and then it has the outer court. And then we have the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is us, which we have three parts as well. Did you know that? We have body, we have soul, and we have spirit. The spirit is the spirit of God that is born in us, right? You must be born again. Spirit gives birth to spirit, right? So the spirit of God inside of us, that we're born again, born of the spirit. That is holy. That is the holy of holies, Jesus then became the new and living way, the curtain for us, right? This is what it says in Hebrews. It's amazing. He's standing there, allowing movement throughout all of this. But there is still a holy of holies. And there is still a holy place, which I believe is our soul. And there is still an outer court, which I believe is our body. And we talk about our body having gates, don't we? The eye gate, the ear gate mouth gate right all they are actually gates I I would love to see somebody do and and maybe there is I haven't seen it yet but I would love to see somebody do an in-depth study on the comparisons of the temples you know there's 12 gates around the around the temple and I go I wonder how many gates we have (laughs) I believe we were made very specific and he says it right And he says, I'm not going to live in a temple made by human hands, but I've prepared a body, made something even better. So anyways, you can see there's gates to who we are. There's gates to the temple. Um, The other thing I want to point out, just as a point of reference, is over and over and over again in the Bible, sin is personified I think the Zoom just ended. Somebody texted me about that. Died? So weird. (laughs) (laughs) Not today, Satan. Okay. um, So over and over and over again, sin is personified in the Bible as something separate than us. Right? Right? From the very first mention of it in Genesis, where it says, You need to be aware, for sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you. Right? Does that sound like it's you? That's a very weird description, if it is. Right? All through Romans. It is no longer you who sins. It is sin having its way in you. Do not offer the members of your body as instruments of unrighteousness. You are not a slave to sin anymore. And yet for some reason the church has bought the lie that sin is us and we are sin. Do you know that the flesh was made good? Flesh was made in the garden, right? Flesh was made in the garden correct Adam and Eve and God looked at all that he had made and he said it is good was he like except the flesh we'll find out about that later no he didn't say that all of it Jesus came in the flesh I'm telling you the problem is not the flesh the problem is sinful flesh it's not the nature of the flesh. It's the nature of sin in the flesh. It is the sinful nature, not the sinless nature, right? It's different. And the, and the, the difference is, is that when you've been redeemed, you've been redeemed back to good. All of you. You've been redeemed back to like Jesus. Redeemed into the image of Jesus, right? Is that scripture? I'm not making that up. So if his flesh wasn't bad, then why is ours? I'll tell you what is not okay. So in the garden, they were made, right? And they were good. And God said, Do not eat from the tree. In the day that you eat, in the day, on the day that you eat from that tree, you will surely die. Well, they didn't die. Well, actually, they did. It also says that their eyes were open. So, what happened was that the life inside of them died, the spirit inside of them died. So then Jesus comes, in him was life, and that life was the light of men. And anything the light touches becomes illuminated again. That's what he did. He put life back in us. Well, in that moment where life died in the garden, guess what they had to lead them? Flesh. That's the only thing that could go by right they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and then it was all they had was their flesh to tell them what to do everybody did what was right in their own eyes right the flesh led them and it, the flesh became enslaved to sin became enslaved to it couldn't get out of it jesus comes he redeems us he sets us free we're not a slave anymore that's including our flesh does our flesh still have the original desires put into it absolutely do we like to eat yes please do we like to sleep yes you know do we like did we like to work you know put our hands to things these were things we were made for the good things all very very good things but are they supposed to lead us absolutely not If I'm hungry and the Lord says, Give up your food, I'm going with the spirit, not the flesh. My flesh is not doing something sinful, it's just not the leader. Do you get the difference here? There is a flesh nature, there is a sinful, slave to sin flesh nature. And then there's the redeemed flesh. It's there. It's how it is, but we got to know what we're doing. So sin, over and over and over again, is referred to as its own separate entity. I encourage you to read Romans 6, 7, and 8, and notice everywhere that Paul mentions sin. It is always separate from the person, always, in how he talks about it. We need to understand that, because you need to understand who you are. It gives you something to stand on if you believe that you are a piece of crap if you believe that you still have a sin nature or that you are fighting a sin nature then you're gonna be duped and and pulled around you're gonna settle for all sorts of crap in your mind your emotions your body because you're gonna think it's you but if you know it's not which is what I'm realizing now and you start kicking out everything that is not you and you don't offer the members of your body as instruments of unrighteousness, guess what? You walk in the fullness of your freedom. There is such thing as renewing the mind and there is such thing as spiritual warfare. They're not the same. (coughs) Right? I'll tell you this. If it feels like a battle, it is one. Okay? Okay? like the anger that was in me. I had to like literally deal with that and it felt like a battle because it was (laughs) one. It's a very easy indicator. If you're participating in something, you're so angry and in your mind you're going, why am I this angry? I should not be this angry right now. Or your anxiety, and in your mind you're going, I really should not be anxious right now. This makes no sense. That's a battle. That's something harassing you. Soccer punching you. Pew, pew, pew. And we're just taking it cuz we think it's us. We think it's our sin nature. We think it's our flesh. We think it's well, you know I'm on this medication. Guess what? You're supposed to be able to drink poison and not be affected, okay? So, scrap everything else. If it's not like God, it's not like you. If it feels like a battle it is a battle and you handle it as such you go after it some battles are easier than others there's some that I just boom 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 I'm done I've kicked it out and it's only been three minutes right and then there was one probably several months into this whole thing I'd never had panic in my life except for one time when I was giving birth but other than that I'd never had panic in my life it's not a thing and Panic and dread just started waving over me. Woof, woof, woof. It was the worst feeling ever. It was just such a terrible feeling. And so I go through breaking off agreement, what I know to do at this point, I don't agree with you, I agree with Jesus, you have to get out, and it is not leaving. And I'm like, get out in the name of Jesus, get out, and I'm going, fire, 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 because I'm releasing the presence of God and agreeing with the fiery presence of God through my body, and I know that the fiery presence of God um, burns up unclean things, those things hated, they feel it, they feel themselves burning. (laughs) right? Fire, 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 get out, whatever, and it was not leaving. And I was irritated, but I had work to do. So I, had, I just kept like <clears throat> trying to ignore it and move on with life. And I couldn't figure out why this thing was not leaving. And probably a week and a half, two weeks went by. I was literally getting this thing waving over me every 10 seconds, nonstop. And this was not ever anything I would dealt with. And I was so frustrated, but I didn't know what else to do. I had already broken off agreement. I'd already told it to leave, and it hadn't left. And so finally, one day, I'm just sitting in my office, and I'm working through it, because I had work to get done. And then it just pissed me off, just like over the top. Like I was just done. Like I didn't even see it coming. (laughs) And I I just like flung my chair around Threw my hands on my stomach and was like, fire, 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 fire. <laughs> and, I, and I did that literally for 20 minutes. I felt like I took out, you know, a big bazooka gun. and was just like, <laughs> like, I just was done. And by the time I was done, it was gone. And I was like, Lord, what was that? And he said, that thing was just trying to outlast outlast you. hmm <laughs> so it wasn't even like it had an agreement because I'd broken those all off it was just a strong contender so what I see in the shadow is that their first place that they overtook was Jericho and woo the walls came tumbling down like they didn't have to barely do anything right God wins and then they have their second AI and guess what they lose because there's sin in the camp all of this stuff but they go back and they redeem it they win again well, guess what happens after that? The people in the land begin to get a clue. Oh, no, we're next. And so five kings say, we got to join up together <laughs> and take out Israel before they take us out. And so they join up together. You guys all know about it. It's the day that Joshua told the sun to stand still because it was such a long battle. So many people they were fighting. But guess what? They defeated five in one day, all right? So we hit those moments. We have ones where the walls just come down and we're like, what was that? I barely did anything and I feel so good right now. And then we have ones that are like, we're still fighting. Son, you're going to have to stand still. We will not stop until this thing is out. And guess what? They'll be done is a battle. So, laying the foundation in Scripture, the shadow, the fullness, the restoration. Tomorrow, we're going to really dive into this stuff. You have to, if you're going to walk people into freedom, which is what we've been doing, I'm not calling it deliverance because deliverance has a very strong idea to it that is not this. I believe that we've been given freedom. I'm going towards that. I'm walking people into freedom. That's what I'm doing. I don't care about these things, names. I don't care about all the intricacies of demonology or the stuff that people do with that. I'm not, that's not my thing. That's not my jam. My jam is Jesus and freedom. That's it. And I want all of it. I want every bit. And I've been tasting it and getting incredible measures of it. And I'm going, this is real. And I'm seeing the fruit of it. I'm seeing... My own life changed. My children's lives changed. I'm seeing the people in our church changed, get set free. People all over our state now getting set free. I have pastors, leaders, all these people coming to me. I had one man come to me. He was a pastor. Him and his wife came. And uh, he broke down crying, and he said, The only reason I'm here and I'm telling you all of this stuff is because you're telling me it's not. I was like, dude, it's not. Don't worry. It's going to be gone soon. But he was broken because he had been fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting and losing and winning, but mostly losing and fighting and fighting and fighting. And it was destroying his marriage. It was destroying his family. And it, and it, the, it, it was topped with guilt and shame and condemnation and heaped upon heaped upon heaped. And I'm telling you, we went after that stuff. And I heard from him several weeks later because he was like, I don't know if I even believe that I can be free. Like, I know it says that, but I just, I'm like, well, that's not you either, okay? (laughs) Because new believes. (laughs) So don't engage with anything that's not new, all right? And we went after that stuff, and several weeks later, he got a hold of me, and he said, you need to know it's gone. It is gone. It was not me. Like, I know. Told ya. <laughs> Told ya. It's not you. You know how freeing that is? You know how much the enemy loses his grip when he can't tell you you're a piece of crap anymore? You were made in the image of God. That means something. And then you were redeemed back to it despite all the slavery that you had been in, you were redeemed back to that image. The enemy has lied to the church and told us that humility means partnering with a sinful nature and saying, well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. That is not humility. That is pride to say anything other than what Jesus says about you. Do you think that the elders that are around the throne Casting down their crowns. Do you think they're like, oh, we're so pathetic? No. They're in such a place of honor, and that's what makes it that much more powerful. They're laying down their crowns. You are the children of the living God. And if you can grab hold of this, the world around you will change. In the past year, I've had over a 1,000 people come through my home without me doing a thing. I'm not. They're just showing up because good news is actually good news. I'm not telling people the good news is that Jesus died for them anymore because that doesn't sound like good news. I'm telling people that the good news is that there's freedom for them. And that Jesus made a way for them to be free. Because that's the good news. Jesus spoke the good news before he died. He didn't say, hey guys, good news, I'm going to (laughs) die. He didn't say that. He said, guys, good news, I came to set the captives free to break every chain, that you're not going to be enslaved anymore. That is good news. And everybody, everybody, whether they know him or not, know it's good news and want it. I've yet to have somebody tell me they don't want freedom because it's good news. So by the end of this weekend, the hope is, is that you'll understand who you are, what you've been given, who God is, how to advance his kingdom. And then what we'll do on Sunday is we'll begin the place of getting rid of the crap that's been taken up real estate that's yours and is supposed to be good. We'll start getting rid of that and teach you also how to walk other people into freedom as well. Because it's easy. It's all truth. It's all agreement with Jesus. So that's that. I don't know if anybody has any questions, thoughts, concerns. (laughs) we <laughs>